Good, good, good. So we're going to dive in and start a new series that I'm excited about. I've, I've uh, preached this before, um, and it's always relevant. <clears throat> if you, There's a book that goes along with it. If you're wanting to purchase the book, you definitely can. It's called Acres of Diamonds by Jensen Franklin, and you can just kind of read along with us. I try to take it chapter by chapter. Um, sometimes... We may go a little longer in one chapter than, than uh, you know, one week. We may do a couple weeks in one chapter because they're just really, really good. Um, <clears throat> before we get started, I just want to open up with prayer and just encourage you to take notes. Like we said, I don't know how long this series will last. We'll, we'll figure that out as we go through it. Um, but take notes and, and uh, be engaged with the material because if, if we're coming in and taking something out with us, then that makes us effective, right? It gives us something to chew on during the week. I like for something to give me something to think about throughout the week, right? Um, so I want to open up with prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Father, I love you, and I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word. God, I ask that you anoint this word as it goes out, Father, for it's already anointed, and anoint the ears that hear it and the heart to receive it. God, I ask that you lead us and guide us and direct us as we grow in you tonight, God, and let us be enlightened to what your word says to us. Thank you for all that you do, and we praise your holy name. And everybody said amen. Okay. <clears throat> so when you look at acres of diamonds, there's a whole lot that can be pulled out from that. Just that one uh, sentence there. I want to share some facts with you about diamonds. Everybody likes diamonds, right? Yeah, y'all lying if you say no. Everybody likes diamonds. Diamonds are the hardest natural stone on earth, and they're formed naturally. You need to understand that, that diamonds are formed naturally. Correct. And there's no help from man to form a real diamond, right? Diamonds are known for their extreme hardness, their unmatched brilliance, and even rich sentimental value. No two diamonds are the same. They're, meant, they're made of a single element, almost nearly 100% carbon. The word derives from the Greek word adamus, which means invincible and indestructible. So I want to share a story with you tonight. This is a true story. You can Google it and look it up yourself if you'd like to read more into it and study more into it. Um, it's one of those stories that's almost too good to be true. It's, it's just one of those that's like, hmm. When I read it the first time, I said, that ain't true. And then I went and looked it up and did some more research. And there's so much research on it, and it's shared so many times across the world that it, it's really insightful to what it means to us spiritually. So I'm going to share this with you. In 1869, that's a long time ago, in India near the Tigris Banks River, an individual by the name of Russell Conwell found himself on the back of a camel listening to what had seemed like the thousandth story told by an Arab guide, a tour guide. He was an attorney who had once attended Yale, and, and Conwell was getting tired of his guide's stories over and over and over but he later wrote that he was really glad he listened to this one the guide told a story of a man by the name of Ali Hafed he owned a large farm I'd like to think that he had a camel and a plow and he worked his land he labored tirelessly for everything he had day after day. And in many ways, Ali Hafed was blessed and he was content until that is he had the pleasure of entertaining a stranger one day. An old priest had come to visit and by Ali Hafed's fireside, he told him about the discovery of diamonds in a distant land. With a handful of diamonds, the priest said one could own an entire country. 
and with a mine full of diamonds, not a mind with a D, but M-I-N-E, a mind full of diamonds, one could place his children upon thrones. So that night, after being introduced to that story, Ali went to bed a poor man, and his contentment with life had evaporated. And he was unseated by the thoughts of diamonds that he did not have. So the next day he wakes up and he sought out the priest and begged to say, he told him, please tell me where I can find diamonds. The priest answered, if you find a riverbed between two high mountains that runs through white sand, in those white sands you'll surely find diamonds. And so the phrase, I won't a mine of diamonds became the cry of Ali's heart. And that day he determined within himself to chase his dreams and so he sold his farm, he hugged his wife and his kids goodbye and with a final nod of declaration, he said to them, when I return, I'll be abundantly wealthy and will be set for life. So he goes off as a soldier of fortune and he hunts for diamonds. He goes to East Africa and there's no diamonds. He goes to Palestine and there's no diamonds. He goes to Europe and there's no diamonds. And searching all over for diamonds, finally in Spain after he had spent all of his time and his wealth and his energy searching for something greater, the discontented man reached the point of such despair that he decided to end his life. He stood on the shore and watched a giant wave thunder towards him and he jumped into the raging waters never to be seen again. And the man who bought his farm one day was taking his camel down to the stream. And I would like to imagine that it would be the same camel that Ali had owned. And as the camel drank, there was a curious flash of light in the stream, and it caught the man's eye. And looking closer, he reached down, and he pulls up a black stone. And he noticed that when the light hit it just right, it lit up with all the colors. And the man thought to himself, that's a pretty stone. So he made his way back home, and he put it on the mantle for decoration, and he forgot about it. And one day, the same priest who had told Ali Hafed about the diamonds stopped by. And as he was talking to the new owner of this property, the priest paused abruptly in the middle of his sentence and his eye had fallen on the black rock that was sitting upon the mantle. And he pointed to it and said, that's a diamond. And the farmer shook his head and he said, no, sir, it's just a stone that I found while I was watering the camel one day. And the priest responded, I'm telling you it's a diamond. Where did you get it? And the farmer said, come on, I'll show you. And so the priest followed the farmer to the garden by the stream. And when they stirred up the white sand with their fingers, countless diamonds appeared bigger and shinier than the first. You see, this man who had bought the farm from Ali Hafed had just discovered one of the most popular diamond mines in the entire world, Golconda. The mine of Golconda is the most significant diamond mine in history. It, in fact, it, it, it goes back and dates through royalty over time. You can go and, and search Golconda diamonds, and there's, the queen mother has Golconda diamonds, and they're, they're, they're of wealth and riches, and it's a very popular thing whenever you understand studying of diamonds. And so the, I don't want you to focus on that part of it. I, I need you to understand that from the same land... The same stream with the same camel that Ali had left behind. This man just discovered acres of diamonds. And so when we look at this story, we'll see that Ali had traveled the world to find what he had all along. He never realized the potential of the place where he was. He thought if I could just go to Africa or if I could just go to Palestine or if I could just go to Europe or Spain or one of these places, I'll find great worth and value. All while never realizing that he actually lived on acres of diamonds. Again, that's one of those stories that when you hear it, you say, that ain't true. Go look it up. It is everywhere. 
One of the most interesting parts of this story is not Ali, but instead the farmer who bought the same farm, the same garden, the same stream, the same camel that Ali had all along. He actually thought that what he had was worthless. And it fell into the arms of someone else. Some of us may feel this way in our own life. You feel like your life may be worthless of no value, that where you are is worthless, where you live is worthless, the spouse you live with is worthless. You may undervalue where you are and what you have, but know that there's hidden potential in wherever you are right now. Some people can't fathom the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ that they're living in right this minute. We are constantly on a search for something else. The grace and the mercy of God has been poured out over our lives in abundance. And sometimes it becomes the diamond on the shelf that we overlook. You need to understand that there's potential in wherever you are in your life right now. I need you before we begin to just analyze your job, your town, your community, your marriage your family, your church. The answer to your dream may just be right under your feet and at the tip of your fingers. If we could only see what is possible and then believe. You see, we're constantly searching for something greater. We want to excel and go beyond. This is not a series to tell you to be content and satisfied to the point that you don't excel in certain things. This is not that at all. This is a complete enlightenment to your spiritual satisfaction. We want new cars, a higher level of education, a bigger home, a better this, a better that. We say things like, if I could just get that, or if I could just have this, then everything would be better. People constantly believe that if they keep on searching, they'll find it. So I want to ask you, what are you searching for? What are you looking for in this life? What are you after? You have to understand that, first of all, by knowing Jesus Christ, you have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it means that you have a Savior who's made a promise to never leave you. That within itself is value. It means that you have access to a higher level of living that is beyond comprehension. It means that you are presently living on acres of diamonds. So I want to share a word with you. It is contrary to what I talked about when I first got here. Stay. How do you go and stay? You want us to grow and go, but also stay. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about why and how much sense does that make? How can you go and stay at the same time? You see, one is physical in nature, but one is also spiritual in nature. When you can grow and go, yet stay spiritually wherever you are in that moment in your life, you're content, satisfied, at rest, walking in peace. I want to always be moving forward and going in the right direction for the kingdom of God. Pressing against the mark of the high call. Preaching and teaching the gospel. Ministering to the lost. Doing the things that we're called to do. But at the same time, I need to learn to stay in whatever moment I'm in. To rest in that moment. To recognize that the current season that we're in is of value. And how can we grow in that season? This means to shift your perspective from which you are searching for something to that that has already been found. A lot of the reason that we struggle with the grow and go concept is because we're trying to go in wrong directions and wrong places and do wrong things and, and, and seek after things that truly have no value except to the world around us. 
We're seeking after diamonds that are sitting right under our feet. So I want you to analyze where are you in life. I want to share something that's probably been said a million times. And you can write it down, quote it, tweet it, post it on Facebook. The grass is not greener on the other side. How many of you have heard that before? Yeah, we've heard that before, right? I've learned that through studying civilization and history and, and the times as civilizations have moved throughout the world, that, that life and vegetation exists where there is water. The grass is going to be green where you water it. If you have to pipe in the water, your grass will be green if you water it. Learn to value and grow what you have in the current moment of your life. That is growing and going at the same time. There are certainly seasons in our life where we change and where change is needed, where we get a new job. It's, it's not always a good thing to, to stay in a position if God has called us to a different position or a different job in a different direction. Those things can certainly happen. There's a time to move. Sometimes it is time to move from one place to the next, from one position to the next, from one house to the next. There's a time to get married. Marriage is such a wonderful thing, but it has become such a messed up situation in the world that we live in today because people get married just as quickly and divorce just as quickly because it has become accessible to do so. It's a time to attend a new school, to push towards our dream, but life does require change sometimes. You need to understand that, that while we move through this, it's going to be difficult for some people to say, how do I change and stay at the same time? That's where the spirit realm comes into our life and say, God, reveal to us, where do I need to stay and where do I need to go? Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, I'm not going to read it, but it talked about seasons. A season for everything. A, a season to which you are born and a season to die, to plant and harvest, a kill to heal. It goes through and talks about the things that we're talking about. A season to grow and a season to go. A season to go and a season to stay, right? We are always constantly in seasons. We move constantly through seasons. We really just get one in the south, but everywhere else gets a constant flow of seasons. Change is sometimes a good thing to shift in a new direction. Maybe sometimes we have to cut ties with toxic people. Change our playground. Maybe sometimes it's good that we move a decision, uh, move our children in a, in a different direction for their sake because it's to protect them. Those are good things and certainly necessary. But there are also times when we're placed in a season that is fruitless and unexciting. Have you ever felt that in your life? I feel like my life is fruitless and uneventful. I get stuck in a routine. I do the same thing every day. I do the same thing every week. I'm bored. A season where you just feel dormant. A season where you feel stuck and maybe even where you can't hear from God. Has anyone ever been there? I'll be honest with you. There's, I've been in the seasons where I can't hear from him. I wish you would talk to me. I can't hear from you. A season where you feel like you can't get ahead. You get a check and wrote 10. You lose a pound and gain 50. You have one good day and 14 bad ones. You just can't get ahead. While we may be tempted to cut and run, maybe sometimes we don't feel the release yet. Something is holding us in this dormant season. Deep in your spirit, you know that you're not supposed to quit or give up or leave this place that God's called you to, but every day you want to. 
You may feel stretched or inadequate or exhausted or unqualified. I'll say those again in case you missed them for a categorization of your own life. Has anyone ever felt stretched thin? There's not enough of me to go around. Has anyone ever felt inadequate? I cannot measure up to that. I can't do that. Has anyone ever felt exhausted? Or unqualified? You may feel as though God, that, that nothing that God has promised is coming to, pl- to pass in this place, in this season in your life. God, you promised me and this didn't happen. I want to encourage you to push past the place of giving up. It's easy to quit, but it takes faith to go through. It is the easiest thing in the world to quit. Just give up and walk away. But it takes faith to go through and push through and endure. So I want to encourage you to don't be like Ali who sold out. Don't sell out cheaply. Don't believe the lies. Don't jump from church to church. Your answer's not in another church. Don't jump from relationship to relationship. Your answer is not in another woman or in another man. Your answer's not in the next friendship. Stopping the changing of a job every time you don't feel like it's going your way or you're getting what you're worth. I'm not encouraging you to endure certain things of hardship. Please understand what I'm trying to tell you. You know in your spirit when you just need to go and when you're just not sure and when you just need to stay. And sometimes we need clarity in those things. If you leave, you may just be giving up something that someone else would give anything to have. And we lose that sometimes. In the place in our life, we will place the diamond on the mantle as a black piece of coal, but someone else would absolutely love to have it. There is value and potential in your life where God has placed you right this minute if you believe that he is all powerful all knowing omnipotent omnipresent and all things then you have to understand that he is good enough to place you in a season in which there is value and potential that you don't have to seek very far to find acres of diamonds you need to know this that inside of you are diamonds in order for them to come out it's going to take something It's going to take time. You see, there's three things that make a diamond, and we'll talk about this throughout the series. Three things. Heat, pressure, and time. Three things make a diamond. That's it. Just heat, pressure, and time. Y'all know how I feel about the heat. God can't move in the heat. I'm convinced of that. He would have left off that part in the scripture. He moves in the cool of the day. He's smart enough to know when to come down. And I I for sure don't like pressure. Don't pressure me. I'll dig my heels in. You haven't met hard-headed. And for sure don't put them together for a long period of time. When you have heat and pressure and build up in your life you maybe can handle it for a little bit but when you add that time component that's when you sell short of becoming a diamond you see it's going to take some time some setbacks some disappointments some trials some challenges in order for a diamond to be formed in your life They're formed hundreds of miles beneath the surface of the earth. It takes high temperatures, extreme pressures for the carbon atoms to bond to one another in a particular way that produces a diamond. You have to understand that this thing in which we place so much value in literally just creates itself. 
over time, the structure of the carbon atom locks into place and eventually it grows large enough to produce what we call a diamond through pressure and heat and time. So what does that mean for you? Your trials serve a purpose. We are quick to run when it gets hot and heavy. But what if it serves a purpose in our life? James 1 verse 2 to 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, that us, that's us talking to us. When troubles of any kind, I don't even want you to list your troubles for me. We don't have enough paper. But whenever they come, troubles of any kind come your way, consider it. You have a choice. It says to consider. You don't have to, but it, it urges you to consider it an opportunity for great joy. An opportunity means a chance. It just might just so happen to be an opportunity for great joy. Has anyone ever shouted because there's nothing else the doctor can do? That sounds crazy. I'm going to fall out on the floor and speak in tongues and give God all the glory because I cannot pay my light bill this month. You've lost your mind. It says, consider it that whatever trials and troubles come your way, it says, for you know that when your faith, wait, the trouble and the trial comes to test the faith to be tested your endurance that's the time piece right there your endurance how long can you withstand something your endurance has a chance to grow it says i love this part it says so let it grow grow and go so let it grow a diamond literally grows under the opportunity and the chance for great joy to shout because I don't have the money to do what I need to do this month, God is still good. An opportunity to grow for when your endurance is fully developed. I love this. We're, we're growing diamonds. When your endurance is fully developed, I feel like we got a lot of underdeveloped Christians. We just, we just underdeveloped in our endurance. We just want to give up so fast. People give up in marriage so fast. 51% divorce rate. Just so fast. Just give up. Walk out the door. They give up kids left and right. So fast. It says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. So don't run. Stay where you are and make it fruitful. When you stay in that place, you learn more, you grow more, you become more, you do more. God turns up heat and pressure in the opportunity to test faith and endurance. So that he can bring forth a diamond. God grows diamonds all day long. 1 Peter 1 and 6, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. You see, your endurance of a trial may seem like a long time for you, but in the grand scheme of history, it's just a little while. John 16 and 33, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. James 1 and 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptations. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Understand this. Trials and temptations and tests are not fun. But everything is better when you add Jesus to it. Everything, including trouble. It's one thing to struggle to do something in life. But when you take Jesus out of the mix, 
I can't imagine living a life where he's not involved in the trouble, in the test, in the trial. If life's going to bring you trouble with Jesus or without, then you might as well just choose it with Jesus. If you're going to have troubles and trials and temptations with or without him, then why not have them with him? He conquers all things. Luke 1 37 says, for the word of God will never fail. There's no mountain he cannot move. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, I tell you the truth, you say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. There's no wall he can't bring down. You see the trouble and the trial and the temptation and the test in your life. It's not that he can't move it. It's serving a purpose, and we just don't see it. We've set it on the shelf. I can preach this because I've lived this. I didn't see the value of being on house arrest for five years until now. I didn't see the value of being tried and tested in my faith to the point of I face suicide as well until now but I was only able to hold on because Jesus was involved in my process there's no disease he can't cure there's not a bill he can't pay you need to understand that that whatever your trouble trial and situation is there's nothing that he cannot do for there's nothing too hard for him you see, you got to understand this in order to understand acres of diamonds in your life. Does it not say in Genesis 2 or 7, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth, dirt from the bottom up. He, he took us from the ground. He breathed breath of life into us and the man became a living person. In other words, you are acreage. I need somebody to grasp that. You are acreage. You are a whole piece of property, honey. A whole piece of land. I am acres of diamonds. From the dust of the earth, from the dirt, whenever you buy a piece of property, you buy dirt. From the dust, he took it and formed man. You are formed in his image from the dust of the earth, as the Bible says. And in that situation, you are acreage. Say that, I am acres. And only Jesus, only God himself, knows how to give birth to the diamonds in our life. He grows them all day. They grow on their own. He sets them in motion. God don't need help making diamonds. We will break our neck to buy one to put it on a finger. God needs no help making diamonds. You can certainly try to obtain goals in this life and dreams and aspirations, but you need to understand that no matter what you're seeking after and going after, you will fail every single time if you do not lean on him. Every time that you try to do something on your own, you may get two or three steps into it, Peter, but you will fall if you do not keep your eyes on him. From the message of the prodigal son in Luke 15, this young man that we see here in the story, and for those of you that were there when, when I, I delivered that message on that Sunday, we, I'm not going to recap the whole story because you know the story of the prodigal son. But I'm sure that this, this individual, I like to think of it in terms of real life is happening in the Bible. Not everything that is written is actually what happened. It's just what we need in the Word of God. There's stuff that happens around that in everyday life. I like to think about it like this, that there were some friends, some people in the town or people he hung out with or, or outside influence, maybe a Facebook post or, or something that externally influenced him saying, man, out there in the real world is where everybody's having fun. Remember, he's the younger son. Parties like you've never experienced. Freedom like you've never thought of. It's unbelievable opportunity out there. 
So you need to leave your dad's house and get on out there and experience it. But we know in the story that he, he purchased lies. If you'll just go seek diamonds, you'll be able to do whatever you need to do for the rest of your life. He thought the grass was greener on the other side. After leaving his house, he lost everything. He ends up eating slop with the swine and the hog pens. And he finally comes to himself and realizes that he was literally living on acres of diamonds the entire time. There's so many times when we have young people that leave home because they're bored or they feel restricted and they think that they cannot find fulfillment unless they get out. And then they go out and they actually discover it's not like what they said. We have people that have left churches because of, I'm not going to go there. We got people that actually leave relationships and marriages and they venture out and then they realize, oh no. I was living on acres of diamonds. I'm so thankful that when we realize, oh no, that he's still there. See, our prayer should be during this to just open our eyes. I love to read through the Bible and look at all of the, the inferences and, and the references in scripture to senses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste and then see? Open the eyes of my heart. My heart don't have eyes, Lord. You see these senses that we have, the tasting, the seeing, the hearing, the smelling, that is avenues to our spirit and our soul and our mind. And that's why it's so important that when you read the scripture, it says to listen, to see, taste, feel, because they're the avenues to the mind. You didn't know you wanted something until you saw someone else had it. You didn't know you wanted something until you heard of something. Psalms 119 and 18 says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. The implication of this verse is that there are wonderful things to see all around you. You just have to open up your eyes and see it. You didn't realize the riches in which you're surrounded with. If you're not careful, you will allow negative attitude of, of crossing paths with someone who is on an adventure themselves looking for diamonds to pull you into their depression and their anxiety and their struggles to find wealth. You'll live in a constant state of comparison. I've been there too. You'll actually learn to hate your life. No one just starts out hating it. You learn to hate it. You didn't have anything to compare it to until you saw comparison. I used to teach this in school all the time. Racism in the world in which we live in is taught. It's not just second nature. It's taught. The things in which we despise are taught. You get to a place of spiritual poverty. It's one thing to be broke. But it's another thing to be spiritually broke. You'll find yourself living in this spiritual poverty while being surrounded by spiritual wealth. When I was going through <clears throat> my trials and tribulations and troubles, and I got to the point that literally seeing the flowers on the side of the road and the birds flying would bring me to tears because I missed them. I missed them. I drove by them birds and them flowers every day, but I missed them. I started to see that I was surrounded by spiritual wealth. Nature all around us is spiritual wealth. It does nothing and yet still exists. Consider the lilies. Don't nobody water them but him. When you're in a spiritual poverty, 
you become jealous and resentful because someone else got a blessing. You don't realize that you've got a diamond in your life too. You'll constantly covet someone else's life. You need to understand that nobody can be a better you than you. Nobody can walk in your calling. Brett, I don't care what your calling is. I cannot have it. Nobody can tell your testimony. It's one thing for them to reference it, but you didn't tell it like it was mine. As we venture through this Acres of Diamonds series, I'm going to pray that God will have you to just open your eyes to the things around you that have been there the whole time, like the piece of coal on the shelf, and you missed it. I pray that you'll stop seeing the glass half empty. You see, the glass half empty or half full method really depends on what you were doing with the glass. If half empty, if you were pouring it out, half full, if you were filling it up, it's perspective. So I want to talk to you tonight about an interesting story. Abraham and Lot. Genesis chapter 13. This is what, if you will, to chew on for the next week if you, it hits you just right. You've got this story here, and it's very interesting because it appeals so much to what we do in everyday life. You have Abram that left Egypt and traveled north to Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Don't miss that part right there. They took all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He was a boss. You could tell he was coming. He had cattle. You knew he was wealthy when he walked in the room. They continued to travel by stages towards Bethel and they pitched their tents along the way where they had camped before. Uh-oh, we've been here before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar and where he worshipped the Lord again. Same cattle, same river, same stream, same diamond. Notice that they're moving. You can grow and go at the same time. You can move from one place to the next. The scripture says all that they owned. Abram was rich and wealthy. But then there was Lot coming along with him. Sometimes it's even family that can drain you dry. Sometimes it's even family that can get in the way. Sometimes it's even family that comparison can build up in. Be careful as to who you let travel with you. Lot was with him. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy. Uh-oh. He had flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents, but the land could not support both with all that they had. So disputes broke out comparison there's not enough there's only one diamond right there's a spirit of comparison that enters you're only wealthy because of who you was traveling with you didn't even know what wealth could exist until you traveled with wealth you see abram was very wealthy and lot became wealthy up underneath be careful who travels with you they will drain you dry if you let them so disputes broke out between herdsmen, uh, between Abraham and Lot and their herdsmen, and they, they have a fight. You ever had a fight? You ever wanted to just get out in the front yard and roll? You call it Abram and Lot if you want to. It was husband and wife. The land could not support their wealth. Notice that what they had relied on for many, many, many years couldn't sustain them. When your wealth and your river starts to run dry, 
you'll, you'll get on edge. You'll get very nervous. You'll get almost unbearable. You'll walk around with an attitude you didn't even think you had. They start to fight. How many know that wealth will divide people quickly? Even the workers were fighting. Y'all don't own nothing. And you out there in the front yard fighting over some cattle. The workers were fighting. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. And then this part. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of the land that you want, and then we'll separate. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go left. If we would copy and paste that sentence into our vocabulary, we would not be filing for divorces every other week. We wouldn't have so many disputes among church members. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land to the right. Notice Abram didn't care which land he ended up on. Lot took a long look. The Bible says he took a look. He took a scroll on Facebook to see what was out there. He went hunting on Zillow. He wanted to see all the options. He took a look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor, and the whole area was well watered everywhere, just like the garden of the Lord and the beautiful land of Egypt. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east. He went there with his flocks and his servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to the place near Sodom and settled amongst the cities of the plains. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, hold on, Lord. Why didn't you speak while Lot was here? The Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm giving you all this land. As far as you can see and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I'll give you so many descendants like the dust of the earth. Uh oh, there's some acres right there. Dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through this land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. Go ahead and possess your land, acres of diamonds. So God, so Abram moved his camp to Hebron and, and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. And then he built another altar to the Lord. He's going to worship no matter where he ended up. If you want to compare some lands here, it would be like living in an absolute paradise versus living in the middle of the desert where there's nothing. You've got an uncle and a nephew. Lot was a smart guy. He scopes it out. You've got conflict that enters into this picture. And then you've got to resolve. Suddenly Lot looked towards the horizon as he's scoping out the land. And he saw the Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you're not familiar with that story, you already know. He saw what looked like Las Vegas. I compare it to that because Las Vegas is literally in the middle of a desert. If you're not careful, sin will draw you in. It will appeal to your senses. It's the sight of the fruit. It's the listening to the serpent. It's your senses that are the path to the mind. Lot saw this place that looked greater and brighter. It too looked like diamonds. He said, I want that. But notice that it's never enough. Have you ever felt like the one thing you were going after 10 years ago, you've done left that and gone after something else, and it's never enough. I've been there. You constantly want more, more money, more, 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 more. The, when you get a fast car, you want one that's faster. So Lot pitched a tent in the plains as he began to chase for diamonds. 
And we find out that Lot's story ends up much like our, our own. He never found them. In fact, the Bible tells us that over time he lost his wife. Do you know how many families have been brought to ruins because of seeking after something else? There have been many husbands lost to wives seeking after diamonds. There have been many wives lost to husbands seeking after diamonds. You have to be careful because what you think might look like a diamond could be some cubic zirconia. He defiled his relationships with his daughters. He lost his reputation. He lost his honor. He lost his place. This is not kingdom living. This is not what God's called us to. So why do we get in this place? But I want to talk about the place of potential. You've got Abram, on the other hand, who settled in the desert and it was hot and dry. Hot and dry. Heat and pressure. You've got Abram. He, he has to settle in the desert because he said, you take your choosing. He was older. He was uncle. He could have said, get you and yourself over there and figure it out. I'm going to take this. But he said, no, you take your choosing. It's always on choice. Adam and Eve did have a choice. There were two trees. Someone say, my place has potential. Yes, it does. My season has potential. My life has potential. Abram was in a desert. I need somebody to say, I am thankful for the deserts in my life. You see, it's in the wilderness that, that might not seem much of much value to us, but it's in the wilderness that Moses received the call from the burning bush. It's in the wilderness that this, this, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus after he's baptized to start his journey. It's in this dry place that he proved to humanity as the second Adam that he could overcome what the first one could not. It is in the hot and dry place in Ezekiel 28 that says where the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the, it actually says in the Bible, the very dry bones. They weren't just dry, they was very dry. The Spirit of the Lord moved in this dry place. You need to understand that in your hot and dry place in life where you see no potential, God can still move. Pressure and heat. I can imagine Abram looking around and seeing on the ground some sand. And many would call sand worthless, but you see sand holds a purpose and it has potential. And it simply uh, provides a seashore, right? It, it, gets, it, it gets in the house of, of, it gets in our homes and in the carpets. And, and we, we would look at it and we'd say, Get it out. It's dirt. We don't want it. It's sand that we look at and we might not see value and potential. There's so much of it, but it's worth so little. But if you will just take that sand and apply a little bit of heat and some pressure, you might get something of value. A reminder that he's in a God-forsaken place as he's looking down at this dry land. He could have had well-watered paradise, but he's in a dry place. But you see, Abram's vision was different. It's in this place that he says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, looking far, as far as every direction. Do you know he just was able to see sand? Look as far as you can see in every direction. Okay, Lord, I'm looking, but I don't see anything but sand. And then the Lord says to him, I'm going to promise you something. He's, and later on, he says, just as the stars in heaven are, so shall your seed be. Just as the grains of sand on the ground, so shall your descendants be. The sand represented a promise. The stars represent a promise. The thing in which we look at all around us in the season in which we're in, it has a promise attached to it. You just have to open the eyes that God has given you and see the promise attached to it. I'm going to end with this. We have another story in the Bible where what they saw wasn't what was reality. You see, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, there's two thieves. 
There's something about the number two in the Bible, if you'll study it. It represents a choice. Two trees. You got two options. You can take the left or the right. You've got this place in your life where you have a choice. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, there's two thieves. Why? Because there was a choice to be made. One thief looks at Jesus and sees nothing but a man on the cross. He sees the blood coming from his side and his feet and his hands are nailed there. He sees him crowned with the crown of thorns. He can see it. He hears him moaning and groaning and praying, Father, please forgive them. And this thief curses and mocks him as he hangs there and is sentenced to die. All he sees is sand. But on the other side, this second thief looks at the same thing. The same cross, the same blood, the same suffering, the same wounds, but his eyes were open. This man didn't see worthless. He saw treasure. He saw acres of diamonds hanging right there on the cross next to him. He saw acres, the same cross that the other one saw. He said, well, you'll just remember me when you go into your kingdom. And we know that Jesus looks at him and says, today, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. You'll get to partake in what you are looking at. It's all about perspective. It's all about vision. You've got to change your vision. You've got to change your perspective right where you are. This has nothing to do with works. This is nothing to do with service. I'm not going to teach and preach to you for however many weeks on doing something or getting something. This is just simply about appreciating exactly where you are in the moment of your life. You have to realize that the greatest treasure and joy that could ever possibly be given to you is Jesus Christ given to you right now you have access and he's part of your life the acres of diamonds are, are not in the job that you're tied to but there's acres of diamonds there the acres of diamonds that you're seeking after are right where you are if you'll just open your eyes to see it there's acres of diamonds in that spouse that gets on your nerves. There's acres of diamonds in those children that get on your nerves. There's acres of diamonds where you're living. You say, well, you don't live at my house. You don't live at mine. So let's challenge ourselves to stop waiting on someone to give us a miracle. The acres of diamonds aren't in the lottery. That's a conversation to everybody. If I could just win it, I won't preach that one. When you're stuck in the mentality of complaining and whining and making excuses, you're not in a position to discover diamonds. Opening the eyes that you have to see potential in what you have. So don't undervalue the place that God's placed you. When heat and pressure get turned up in your life, stay for just a minute. Just allow God to work. Instead of complaining about the heat and pressure, just stop for a minute and say, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? What are you producing? What are you growing right now in me? Ask him to open your eyes to see what's in front of you right now. And start digging in your own backyard for your acres of diamonds. Father, I love you and I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word. God, I ask that you open up our eyes tonight. And as we go through this series, God, I want us to be able to open our eyes in our church, in our homes, in our families, in our jobs, in the places in which you've called us to 
just simply show us and open our eyes to the value and the potential that we simply aren't seeing. Let us know in our spirit that you've placed us exactly where you want us, that our trials and our tribulations serve purpose, and that we are seriously going to produce as you want us to. God, we are, we are simply diamonds that you're growing and becoming exactly what you have willed for us in our lives. If we could just simply look around us and see the value and the potential that surrounds us each and every day. God, I ask that you go with us and guide us through this week. Put a hunger and a stirring in our soul that we can dig further into your word and see the value and potential as it reflects into the own lives around us. I praise you for all that you do in your precious holiness name that I pray in Jesus name and everybody said amen